0: Some come and get some in this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the pro wrestling edition. Grab a handful of tights and roll up your inhibitions with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell. In fact, that's the voice that you hear, ready to remind you what the great Rick Flair once said about this show. Or was it actually Brock Lesnar? Either way, the sentiment is the same when it comes to wrestling podcasts. It's the one right here that is the best. That's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best that this world has to offer. Yes, yes it is. And folks, you know, this podcast is money every single week. You ain't talking money. What the hell you talking about? (laughs) Preach it, real one. That's what I'm talking about. And if you, in fact, agree with all the above sentiments and this, you know, long intro we like to do to open each show, but have not yet let your voice be heard about the ITC. Well, first of all, how dare you? You're the biggest piece of trash I've ever met in my life. The good news is there's still plenty of time to pay it forward, folks, and give back for all those free hours of in-hole, ear-hole injections, if you will. That was gross. I'm sorry about that. But if you hear something today on the show that you like, as always, I don't even need to play the sound drop. If you see something, say something, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review so that we can keep invading your personal space with many hours from week to week do we have another loaded show this week? You better believe it. One you simply won't want to miss. Recapping most things WWE Hell in a Cell from Sunday and all that went down in the week that was in pro wrestling. So, without any further ado, let me welcome in my partner. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's the author of the upcoming book titled If You Ain't Hedging, You Ain't Trying. He's the Silver King. Adam Silverstein
1: Hey now The only reason you didn't play that audio clip earlier Is probably because you couldn't find it Because your audio board I'm guessing still isn't organized Is it BC?
0: It's organized as well as it can be It's loaded and ready to go And Silver King Not to pull a Barry Horowitz here Not to open with it all about BC But you know I like to do the whole I told you so when I have told you so I told you so Oh yeah tell him this told each and every one of you how this would end. Uh Yeah, I did, Silver King. I can't even begin to tell you how many of our listeners in the past seven days alone have jumped into these guys' DMs. And, I mean, the list is so long, I'm itching to pull a Silver King and print them out, Jericho-style, and just let the paper fall to the floor. But my point here is that so many of our amazing listeners have seen the light, and I'm happy about it. They've written me to say, BC, I was mad at you for what you said under those bedsheets in Brooklyn. But after the last few weeks, sadly, I've realized you are right. I don't know. I'm starting to feel like Silver King. Maybe my crusade, if you will, is starting to work here.
1: This is my crusade. And I will continue my crusade as long as there are people who need help. As long as there are people out there who need change in their lives. I find it interesting that you keep telling these stories, but somehow this information, these comments are only available to you. And, and you yeah, also think It's called think a DM. That, it's called direct and, and, message. And, and, no, no, no. Let, let me finish here. I have a couple of statements here. You also think that something ha- that happened in mid-September atones for your opinion and, and what went down on a post-SummerSlam show in mid-August a month earlier. That's number one. Number two, you said to me that Hell in a Cell was pretty good. And I'm assuming that means you thought it was better than SummerSlam. So, if that's the case, then then how is that opinion still the exact same holding? And how are you accepting people agreeing with your old opinion, even though you like the new show better?
0: That doesn't make sense. I liked most of uh, Hell in a Cell and thought it was better than SummerSlam, but obviously uh, I didn't get to watch Hell in a Cell live because I was flying back from uh, Canelo Triple G2 from Vegas. But I landed on that plane and opened up my phone to. An absurd amount of DMs that were all saying the same thing, and that really coincided with the DMs I had received all week. You know, just saying, look, it sucks, but but, Brian, but you the, were right. the main
1: and, event picture on Raw sucks.
0: Yeah, okay, it's if really we about separate the overall that,
1: direction of where the wrestling is going at, but if we separate the main event picture of Raw from everything else, and when I say main event, I really mean the Universal Title because what WWE's done on Raw right now, and we're going to get into it in the first part of the main event. But what they've done is they've taken the Universal title, the Intercontinental title, and the tag team titles, plus Brock Lesnar, and they've jammed it into one singular storyline. And if you don't like that, then you can't like Raw, which is the which is the historical A show. So if you don't like that, then yes, things are going poorly right now for WWE. But we also have a ton of other stuff including an entire second show that I can't really find a complaint for it right now. So I think you're you can't tell point. me that everything was, is bad when it's really one what thing I'm saying. Bad.
0: The point was that we should demand more. And guess what? SmackDown has been fantastic since SummerSlam. And Raw continues to underachieve. And I think in the end, all those sentiments said in that dirty bed in BK from BC was DR. Damn right. And Silver King, it may even the be se- time the- for you to say thank you! Yeah, thank this. That's what you should be saying. Shut your mouth and say thank you. I mean, it's time. It's time, Silver. As I said that
1: night, as I said in the show that succeeded it and in the sh- all the shows since, the sentiment was never wrong. No one ever took an issue with your opinion. They took an issue with the way you droned on about it and allowed it to affect your enjoyment of things that were actually good during that show and apparently now Every single week in WWE, just because they can do better and should do better. Doesn't mean that everything sucks. And that is the mentality that you have taken here. Because guess what? Not everything
0: sucks. You're right. And they've responded to my call out on the blue brand side and they have delivered. And that show is, I mean, we've said it before. I, I could just, close up shop on Raw and become a SmackDown fan. I mean it's it's not everything I want, but it's consistently entertaining and strong. You gotta say, for all those complaints we had about SummerSlam rightfully, and we still have larger complaints about how these the booking is connecting with all these one off money grab events, which we'll get you, but WWE's listened to some of that and you you know, and, and, and I oh. say you know, and at the same time other people on the show are waking up and realizing, man, once you taste that steak, I mean once you once you get a taste of that test, you, you can't handle the rest anymore. As yeah, well, that well, that steak say.
1: that you like so much was very overcooked in the last week and a half or so. So since we've already given a nice preview for the rest of the show, which we don't normally do to open things up, why don't we slide into the main event? This is the main event! So even though we probably didn't want to, the only way that we can and, and have to start the show is by talking about Brock Lesnar, bearded Viking Brock Lesnar, by the way, which is an improvement, making a surprise return. Can you call it a return after 30 days? Okay. Uh, A surprise return to ruin, as you wrote, the Hell in a Cell main event and the fallout continued from there into Raw. So before we talk about Raw, because we didn't do Hell in a Cell incident analysis, let's talk about the main event Sunday night in San Antonio, which, by the way, I'm going to say it off the top because apparently someone published my name in a newspaper article about it. And I'm I'm apparently now a heel in San Antonio. That was one of the worst WWE pay-per-view crowds I have ever seen. Shame on them. Okay, moving on from there. BC, main event, hell in a cell. Break it down for me. What did you think top to bottom? Did it hitch in the field spot
0: at all? Or no? It should have. And I and I don't come here with outrage. Am I disappointed? Yes. Did I like I'm not, I'm not joking, I literally received like eight straight DMs of people like, I can't believe they butchered the main event that badly. Yeah, they butchered the main event that badly. I thought it was a a pretty damn good pay-per-view show up to that point. I thought there were some matches specifically on the blue brand side heavily that really came through, really really giving you some feels. I like the physicality of that main event. I like what they were building towards. Like everybody else, though, Adam, obviously, it it was very WCW 90s. It was very, what the hell's going on here? And here's the thing why I was more disappointed than mad. I love Brock. I'm sorry. I love Brock. You guys are all caught in the mark zone because Vince Scott is getting you so angry at Brock just to try to get Roman over. Brock looked friggin' fantastic. He looked in so much better shape than SummerSlam, which would make sense since he's angling toward a UFC return to start the new year. The beard, which we had only seen once before in the Kane Velasquez UFC loss when it was much heavier, was, you know, tight to his face. I mean, he looked like 10 years younger. He looked friggin' cool. And I actually liked the idea of that big surprise. Unfortunately, that surprise was ruined for most because it leaked that he was backstage and a lot of people on Twitter found out about it. But if you hadn't known and you're just watching that, I love that surprise even though it makes a mockery of the direction they've been going, yes. But I love that surprise within the vacuum, Adam, of where we are in the main event picture, which is all over the damn place. Things stretched out, things not making sense. So I think they could have actually nailed it with this Brock return, even with the no contest stipulation, which makes absolutely no sense in a no DQ Hell in a Cell match, by having him had destroyed both Strowman and Reigns, even more viciously. I'm talking with blood. I'm talking more weapons. And then go to the point of the referee giving a 10-count to both. And guess what? They can't answer the bell. So Brock has ruined everything. I would have been a lot happier, Adam, if that happened, if there weren't guys just hanging out on top of the cage, and if Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns hadn't spent 10 minutes laying down in the middle of the cage while those guys were having a NWA scaffold match at the top – all that overbook clunkiness, it still could have been repaired, I thought, with what they were trying to do, which is spin this forward to a bigger event. I know a lot of people are mad at that, but look, Hell in a Cell is not a major pay-per-view. You should have been mad about a lot of the things that happened at SummerSlam under them bedsheets when they were constantly spinning things forward and not giving you closure. This pay-per-view, I'm fine if you spin it forward, but they, they, they bungled it. They ruined it. Uh,
1: so I agree. There, I have no issue with them spinning it forward here, but the whole point of Hell in a Cell... Is that it's the either the end of the feud, or if it's not going to be that, you get a decisive finish. And what WWE has done is nearly, every, and I say nearly because we saw one earlier in the night that wasn't this way, but nearly every single Hell in a Cell match is an overbooked mess. It either goes outside the you know enclosed area, there has to be a spot you know off of it, you know someone has to get involved. Hell in a Cell, the purpose of it is to be a gruesome, sometimes bloody, but in this PG era, just a gruesome, hardcore match contained in a structure where you definitely get a finish. And this not only didn't give us that, it didn't give us a finish. And the reason you can't do the 10 count is because you can't have a count out in it, even though a
0: standing 10 count, you can't do it. Well, so, no, you could because with Brian, they could there's still pinfalls and submissions in that match. So under that theory, even though you can't do a count out, A referee should, under those grounds, should be able to do, hey, 10 seconds, you guys aren't answering the bell. You're both dead. The match is over. I would have been all I'm saying is I would have accepted that Adam more than what they gave us. They could have fixed
1: the entire thing by saving by slightly altering the finish in the tag team match, which we'll talk about, and having Brock F5 Roman, have Roman's arm lay across Braun. And the referee counts one two three right. ideally That's all Brock you need would have to do one of them
0: and I get that
1: but I, I still think they could have saved it but that but Brian that fixes it because if he gets the one two three the fans maybe they still wouldn't have liked it but I think they would have been like there was a lot of booing and a lot of you know you screwed us or BS chance or whatever I don't think those happen if there's actually a finish and the referee counts. The bigger I mean that's just one I mean, issue look, of it. It's a though. fair
0: argument, and that's one issue of it. My whole point was I was would have accepted it more under this thinking, which is really what this was. Lesnar's pissed that he lost his title at SummerSlam. Lesnar wants to come wants to come back and mess with everybody because of that and wants to force himself into a rematch when at first Kurt Angle told Foley a couple right. weeks ago we didn't want... So under that, guys, again, it was good. I'm not even mad that there was no finish if they would have just sold that a little bit better. But what you spin forward here with... Like, no, like, hold on, let me pause first. I got to hear from one people. I mean, I got like 57 of the same Before DMs, you so drop the DMs... Shout Before out to all those people.
1: Before you drop the DMs, I just want to say something. The Lesnar part was fine. His role, him rip, him kicking the door down... The, the, taking pieces of the table, beating the crap out of the, those guys great. with them, hitting the 5s everything Brock Lesnar did, and this is coming from someone who's grown, very tired of Brock Lesnar, was perfect. It was everything from the spear through the table until then, that was awful. Go do the DM, and then we'll keep talking. About it.
0: Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? It is, and I could have picked any out of, uh, out of 50, but we're going to hear from Nick Alanis right now, at N-L-L-A-N-A-S-4 on Twitter. He says, you're effing kidding me. That's the worst ending. Well, the only thing worse not than that ending is that you wrote worse instead of worse. But we love you, Nick Lannis. Anyway, he says, that's the worst ending ever. How can you end Hell in a Cell with a no contest because of two F5s when 20 years ago, mankind fell off the top <laughs> twice and still ended the match? And by the way, Nick, not to mention thumbtacks and a lot of other ridiculousness. Of course. And he gives a middle finger emoji. So the, the sentiment that he's saying was consistent with what everybody else was saying was, again, even with the way they set that up. To have Braun Strowman an absolute monster and Roman Reigns, your top-level new Hulk Hogan, John Cena, he's right. From a, a small, brutal, but small beat down from Lesnar, they're dead. Or how about the fact they were dead 20 minutes before that while, well, while everybody's brought on the cage? And his point is right. This is a Hell in a Cell no contest. Mick, mankind is the referee, Mick Foley, to celebrate the anniversary. And before the match, telling them in promos, this match can ruin your life, I would have liked to have seen... Some kind of fight, or like I said, have Brock just like, like, literally, uh, like, bloody them, leave them crippled, then it would have been better. Everyone's got the right sentiment here. They WCW'd it, they brutalized it.
1: It was very WCW. I did like, just because we haven't mentioned it, I did like Paul Heyman macing fully on the face. Oh, it was
0: great. Well, the details are great. Brock running up that door that he pushed against yeah. the ring. Look, the details were fantastic. And you know what detail I really liked? And we can go back if we have to, but I just want to spin this forward do, for yeah, one second. Go ahead. What? how they started Raw. Raw, it, I didn't love the end of Raw. I didn't love Raw overall. I will say, Raw has energy again, and that's a good thing. So if that's a byproduct of people laying under bedsheets and complaining, then again, Kevin Nash, you can thank me for it. My point is, how they started Raw with Heyman coming out to explain why Lesnar was there. Hey guys, that's attention to detail. That's connecting the dots. That's Continuity. playing into real life storylines. What Heyman said, no surprise, was brilliant. He explained it that Brock is going back to UFC for big money because he's a money scoundrel and he doesn't care about WWE fans, but he's only coming back to raise his own price for UFC and to have the chance at entering the octagon with the WWE title. Look, that's all real life. It's brilliant. It actually made the whole thing make sense to me, Adam, to a point where I'm like, finally, I'm not mad at Brock. I'm not mad that Vince bungled him the past year. I actually kind of liked a lot of this, but no, I can't agree with the way Hell in a Cell finished. We
1: also have to say that for all of our complaints for an extremely long time, and it really started around Royal Rumble when they pulled Finn Balor from that Universal title match and they had it be Kane and Braun and it was just a joke, right? That's got to be bad.
0: Yeah, that's got to be really bad. But
1: we've been complaining about them not doing long-term storytelling, not connecting dots, and there being a lack of continuity from one week to the next. They have had this planned since WrestleMania. Now, maybe not every dot, and I don't know necessarily about – Money in the Sand too, and how long this triple threat's been planned. But they have been telling a story from Monday to Monday, you know, all the way into Sunday at the Hell in a Cell. I'm assuming there's going to be an element of Survivor Series in this as well between either Angle and Corbin or uh, Roman and Braun, whatever the case. So they are telling a story. We may not like it. We may think that the main event Sunday was overbooked, which it was. But they are doing what we have asked them to do, which is actually tell something over a long period of time and hopefully have it pay off. The payoff here may be Braun winning the Universal title, and fans might love that even though he's a heel. But we don't know what the payoff is going to be yet, or it could obviously just be Roman winning as many different ways as he possibly can. I do want to, just before we move off of the Hell in a Cell match itself, we didn't really necessarily discuss what was so bad about the in-between time. I thought the match between Roman and Braun sucked itself, the part that they
0: actually wrestled. The fact that... oh, no, it sucked is too harsh. That's too harsh. It sucked because we've it's seen a it a weapon, million times. It's a violent weapons match. I was okay with the intensity. I was okay with the spots, them bouncing off the cage in the post. No, I'm going to take that back. I'm the guy okay. who's telling you what, what sucks lately. I'm okay with that. It was okay, what it was well, supposed t- to be.
1: I'm going to tell you it sucked because it was formulaic. I've seen it a million times from them and in a cell and whatever. The fact that then those four guys ran down to the ring and didn't actually interfere, the only reason they did that, the only reason they did that, was to sell Super Showdown and to do the spot off the side, which I love Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. I loved, and let's briefly talk about it in a bit, the tag team match earlier in that pay-per-view. That was one of the worst sell moments ever because it was so obvious. They were looking down and timing it, and it was just so bad. And you knew what was going to happen. They were there for five minutes. And the fact that Roman and uh, Braun, I keep getting them mixed up, from a single spear into a table, didn't raise for 20 minutes, and were laying there prone the entire time, including when they heard Brock's music. They don't even stand up for that music. It's it, inexcusable. It
0: was TLC, Kurt Angle overbooked bad. You know, it was, it was all that stuff in one. But I am excited about this Brock Lesnar triple threat at the at the uh, at the Money in the Sand too. I, I can't lie about it. Brock raises the rent. This I thought that triple threat should have happened at SummerSlam. And they bungled a bunch of things. So I don't hate that. But overall, Adam, it's just part of where we're at. And we've said it before about how times have changed and what you're booking for. We're programmed from the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s to want the payoff to come at the pay-per-view. And now these days, because of TV contracts, payoffs are coming on TV. And now these days, because of large site fees like in Melbourne and Saudi Arabia, payoffs are coming at those big shows, or are they, Adam? We don't know. That's really my overall problem. I don't know when the payoffs are coming anymore, and and I don't like that because they used to come at SummerSlam. So even if you haven't been watching, you know I got to get back in it for SummerSlam. It didn't really come at Mania this year. It didn't really happen. Like we're not getting the big payoffs. Pay me off. Put the money in my mouth. All right. Give million dollar man me. Pay me meat sauce, Virgil. Whatever you got to do.
1: So before we move forward, which we are going to do to what the next two matches in this. Series or in the storyline are I want to get your opinion on a couple quick things one the tag team match uh, between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose challenging for you know the titles against Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre early in the show I thought it was the best WWE tag team match uh, non Usos New Day in a long time what about you
0: I don't know if I need to put a label on it it was really really good it was very entertaining when I watched it back all those guys can work together. They're natural. But this connects, I think, with what happened on Raw is the oversaturation. They're abusing us. You remember when we saw Rollins and Ambrose versus The Bar last year every single week times. on Monday? Yeah. Uh, look, did I like the Ambrose versus McIntyre match on Raw this week? Yeah. But do I need to see Rollins and in, 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 uh ziggler again no do well, i need to but, see like do i need to see them all brawling to close the show in a way that did really nothing that just kept the kept everybody in on pause where we are like i know there was a corbin element no so i'm really getting um that overset, like the the customer fatigue feeling of something so good too often we okay so was this tag team match sunday night great yes but i've seen this group of people wrestle each other an obscene amount of times up to this point
1: yep yeah, okay a couple things the dolph ziggler Uh, Seth Rollins rematch for the Intercontinental title on Raw that tied a knot in Dolph's claim to a rematch so that actually got that out of the way so hopefully we don't see that one on one match again anytime soon hopefully the finish to that tag team match was the best finish on that show and one of the best finishes on any WWE pay-per-view this calendar year absolutely loved it I I just got to get that out there Um, where else was I going with this oh here it is you want to talk about wasted opportunities What's the So this is how WWE treats money in the bank. They they take Braun, have him do a face move to turn in the briefcase ahead of time to get a title match, and then have that result in a no contest. And don't e- either give him the briefcase back, which in my opinion would be ridiculous because the match d- did have a finish. But they just wasted a money in the bank. It's, they it's had one cash in the night off. And this one, they, they the weak. fact
0: that they didn't even really talk about. They said that he, before the match at Hell in a Cell, they mentioned the cash in, but he should have been walking down there with the briefcase, or the briefcase should have been on a pedestal at ringside. There should have been some understanding that this matters. Look, Braun did this stupid babyface thing, even though he's a heel, of cashing it in a month early for no friggin' reason because he respects people. Like, get out, get off my back. Then to have it come up empty, and then to not even mention it on Monday is really like. They he should be so,
1: furious. He should be furious at Brock that he wasted so close his opportunity
0: to, to a twelve-month bungle of Strowman. That if he does not win the championship in Australia, it, wh- like why would we care? You know what I mean? It, that's really, it really comes down to why would we care anymore? So, yeah, well, you know, and, speaking of
1: speaking of Australia though, he can't because it's a six-man tag. But, uh, but that's what I did want to ask you. Did WWE announcing? Because I'm trying to get through these points here. Did WWE announcing the six-man tag weeks ago ruin? Hell in a Cell for you at all, or Raw on Monday, knowing already that this was planned and this was the direction they were going.
0: Yes. And I really feel like they've done that also with Evolution, to be really honest, how they're announcing matches way in advance to try to raise ticket sales. I feel like we're, we're, you know, we're seeing what really matters to them financially. Yes. Overall, it's sacrificing in the story. There's a lot to really question about what's going on in WWE corporate in general, what's going on on Monday Night Raw's storytelling and booking, where at least the blue brand is is much more consistent. Um, this is what drives people away, I do to be really honest. I know they're so far ahead on money; It doesn't matter. Half the people that listen to the show are with me. Half the people that are like, I'm going to stop listening to your show, Campbell, because you're a negative Nancy and you're an absolute jerk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Debbie Downer to Monday Night Raw. But look, these are the type of things that irritate you over time, because we'll... Deal with a lot of crap if the payoff is worth it. But uh, worth it. But I got to ask you that question I mentioned before. Where's the payoff these days? Is it only Mania? Where's the damn payoff, Adam? Because Money in the Sand one was a house show. Money, what's What's two in Melbourne going to be? We don't know. Well, well, even Mania
1: was hardly a payoff because it was promoting Money in the Sand one. So, like, if you really think about it, the Super Showdown card, and this is the second point, second part, I should say, of the main event. So we'll get into it. The Super Showdown card was almost completely announced before Hell in a Cell took place. Maybe there were a couple details they didn't have in there, such as Samoa Joe and AJ Styles being a no-disqualification match. They added that, and that's perfectly fine. But the Becky-Charlotte match was announced. Granted, Flair was the champion at the time when it was announced. The six-man tag was announced. The Daniel Bryan-Miz number one contendership was announced. They now have New Day taking on the bar for the tag team titles, despite the bar losing Two tournaments where they didn't get the number one contender opportunity. Now they just get a match. So they have they've they have this card announced before a pay-per-view. I know the time proximity isn't great. But couldn't they just have said that all these people would have been in action, announced the Triple H match, the John Cena match, a couple of the other ones that wouldn't, weren't affecting the storylines, and then just announced everything Monday and Tuesday this week? And wouldn't it have had
0: the exact same effect? Yeah, guess what All In didn't do? They didn't announce anything. And it sold friggin' out in 36 seconds. Okay, different circumstances. I get it, but yes, uh, okay. you, you should you should put the strength on your brand and not have to jump the gun on all this and have it ruin your TV. But they don't care about storylines, Adam. They care about cashing them so- checks. And no, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't care about Shield versus Dogs of War in Australia. I may not care about Australia in general. I'm actually more angry about the Money in the Bank Braun thing that I'm letting on. I'm just so worn down that I can't even talk about it. And now we head into a season which has a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> false bright spots because of the money they're getting back from Saudi Arabia and Australia. When I say false bright spots, I mean big names coming back and big scenarios set up, but false because we can't even begin to have the confidence that it's going to matter. And I think that one of those big things is the Undertaker Triple H, which has taken us on an emotional roller coaster the last few weeks where we really liked it when suddenly HBK's involved and he's going nose-to-nose with Taker, and suddenly you and I are going, hey, is Taker, is HBK coming back for WrestleMania 35 and is in a trilogy against Taker? You know what? They're both old, but I can get behind that. Then last week, Triple H kind of softened us. This week, with Undertaker, I'm down to a nub. I mean, there's nothing there, Adam. I mean, look, you already know I have a distaste in my mouth for 50-something-year-old Undertaker It's over, bro. It's over. You're Patrick Ewing in a Sonics jersey. At worst, maybe in a Magic jersey. It's over. And what the hell was that promo he delivered this week? It's just generic. It it might as well have been the Raw 25 promo he delivered. Oh, it was way better
1: than the Raw 25. There's nothing worse in the world than the
0: Raw 25. But it's just generic crap. And then you start to do the math in your head. And suddenly it's like, here's this Triple H taker match that none of us really even care about to begin with. But we got seduced by HBK, who's going to be in his corner. And now, suddenly, you have Undertaker talking about that his brother, his boy, is going to be be there. And before I give the final just doogie on that, I do want to get a DM slide in here from our listeners who we appreciate. Adam, this one comes from Africa from our boy Chike at... Guru Vain, G-U-R-U-V-A-I-N. He says, hey, Brian and Adam, hello from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. man, that's what I'm talking about. He yeah. says, big fan of the ITC podcast, so I'm watching Raw the day after because, you know, Africa. I didn't, even know, <laughs> I didn't even know Africa gets Raw. How, how ignorant am I? <laughs> I know we were all down on Kane on the ITC podcast, and yes, Chica, you better believe that we are, but I couldn't help but get chills when the Undertaker said he was going to have Kane in his corner. How do you guys feel about that? Keep up the good work and sorry for the really long DM. Chike, you DM us anytime you want. Don't worry about the length. But as to your sentiment, how did we feel about Undertaker bringing in Kane? Like, hell no, bro. And Adam, does this really mean what I think it's going to mean? Yes. Are we really going to get a tag team match between the four of these at Money in the Sand 2 a month yes. later? And they're going to waste yes. HBK's comeback on this because I'm so yes. friggin' out like do- yes. doesn't can't have a job? What the hell's going on here?
1: Apparently WWE, I think I read, this may be total BS, but I think I read WWE is going to donate his money to the, the county. Okay, that's great. Not. That's great. I'm right, I mean, no, no, I'm just saying okay. that's why he would do it. Is what I'm saying. Um no, this is awful. Uh the segment on Raw was terrible. I think there there's been four of these now. The Triple H/Undertaker/HBK slash Undertaker slash HBK on Raw building this match. The first one with Triple H, whatever. You shrug. The second one with Taker, whatever. Oh, sorry, I guess there's been five. Then HBK comes out, and then you have Taker come out. Hot, fire, holy crap, that was That was, was the great. second
0: one. Yeah, it was great.
1: Whatever it was. That was great. This, again, terrible. And it, it's just, it reeks. That's really what it is. It reeks of greed, and it reeks of money in the sand, really not being anything about, and we already knew this to be the case, but not being anything about storyline or wrestling. It's really this Prince guy and him wanting certain people that he knows from back in the day that are still alive. Cause he apparently he requested Yokozuna and he's not around anymore. Um, getting these guys in matches and paying whatever it costs to get them. And WWE saying, well, we can't really have a show with all these people and announce it and not put it on the network. So we might as well put it on the network as a special and we have to watch it, and we have to cover it in and the
0: overset. Like, uh, like no disrespect to Chike, in I I don't pop for the the nostalgia of Kane and Undertaker getting back together. If they hadn't been together in twenty years, would it be something? Yes. Sure, sure. Wake up, everybody! They're together all the damn time. They were in a pay per view tag team match like two, three years ago. To open, to, I'm like a kickoff show they were it's a taxi match special. on Smackdown
1: they, were, they had a Smackdown match a couple years so ago so to
0: hear Michael Cole and Renee Young and Corey get all giddy afterwards I know they have to sell it but talk about overselling it Michael Cole's like Renee have you ever thought in your career that you would see Michael Cole she's been working for the company for like eight years she's seen Brothers of Destruction you know what she saw the Wyatt family dragged them both out of a ring and then nothing happened next we've seen <laughs> this crap already so overall it's it's real. like, can I have any confidence on where we're going in these two out of country pay per views? Uh, well, like, they've ruined this. They, they ruined the HBK thing for money. It's there's a lot of selling of your soul overall. And I think you got to ask yourself, how deep is the selling of your soul? And that's where another important DM slide comes in. From longtime listener Trevor at Trey Doherty, my man Trey says, How can WWE sit there and promote evolution? on October 20-something, and then turn around a few weeks later, but it's really five days later, right? Five days And later. do another Money in the Sand show where no women will be allowed to wrestle. That leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So, Adam, what Trey's saying is not new. We've had this debate before at the first Money in the Sand at the end of April, but I had, until I read your notes, I hadn't even realized. Five mm. days apart, I'm going to put it right on you. Hot button question right on you does this prove that Evolution is not something special and not something that needed to be happened? Look at us. We're WWE. We're doing it all for women. And is 100% counter-programming to the fact that they're doing another Saudi Arabia card with no no female presence?
1: Of course it is. I mean, we knew that. So we knew that Evolution was a reaction to Money in the Sand. But it's
0: five days away. There's no no, no hiding it now.
1: It's like there's no... We knew it was a reaction to Money in the Sand... One. Okay? And we knew that there would be a money in the sand, two coming up this year because Dave Meltzer previously reported. I thought a that woman this...
0: would be in it, didn't you?
1: No, no, I did not. Uh, he reported that they're doing two per year as part of the Saudi Arabia deal. So we knew there would be one. And there's only two months left in the year after evolution, after October. It's November and December. So it was going to be close. But for it to be five days later, I mean – Maybe it's a little semantics at this point or, and maybe it's, it, it doesn't matter if it's five or 12 days and it doesn't, it really doesn't matter if it's five or 12 days, but if we're to literally be the same week, it's the same week, it's Sunday and Friday. There's no hiding it that. It is so distasteful. You can't pat There's, yourself on the back anymore. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot pat, pat yourself on the back for evolution and turn around and have money in the sand too five days later. You can't do it anyway for going to Saudi Arabia at all. But you especially can't do it if you're having it five days later. The, the, are they going to promote
0: Crown Jewel during Evolution? Oh, my God. Can you imagine getting a commercial for that? It makes
1: violently yield my stomach.
0: I mean, I'm not trying to stand on this podium about the whole Saudi Arabia thing like, you need to force a woman on the roster. You know, and I know Triple H and stuff always talk. well, we've already done change. They had – we were allowed to have female fans, and I – but – like, you can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't then do evolution and then pat yourself. You can't do it. So I don't want to beat that drum. But And
1: by the way, the women part of it is just part of what's bad about Saudi Arabia. We're not getting into, like, the repressive and yeah, archaic l- laws. Let me close
0: on, on my anger here and ask you this question because I want you to put my mind into where it, where it is. If I'm just being too bitter or if, I'm, or if I'm a crusader. Am I a CM Punk 2011 crusader of justice? You tell me. But even though WrestleMania was really good, you and I were both disappointed in what prevented it from becoming maybe the best ever was that some of the shtick was too much of a forward sell for what was going to happen less than a month later in Saudi Arabia. And now my epic rant at SummerSlam that half the people on the show are ready to unsubscribe, that's fine, whatever – that was a reaction because they had these giant shows coming up, Adam. So, is the entire twenty eighteen calendar for WWE main roster going to go down as a bastardized money grab? Like, is that is <sighs> is it? Because I was thinking back to last year at this time, Adam. Do you remember No Mercy in September? Cena and Reigns, Strowman and and, yeah. Ro- and Lesnar. It was like, and we had a great balls through SummerSlam. Was Hot Fire? Well, I think it's a confluence of WWE
1: having to book certain events in certain months. Like if you had uh, Greatest Royal Rumble in June, it's not as difficult and it doesn't hurt WrestleMania as much. And you book WrestleMania differently. It's the fact that they had to fit in these two events and they're choosing to do one the same month as WrestleMania and another between SummerSlam and Survivor Series, which does not have a large gap of time between them. So I think there's no doubt that these are money grabs. I think Super Showdown had it existed on its own without any Saudi Arabia stuff, we'd have zero issue with it. Because, okay, they're doing a show in Australia, they don't want it to be the pay-per-view for the month, and they're going to put a bunch of house show-esque matches, six-man tags, random tag team matches. There's a couple title matches, zero Raw titles on the line, by the way. Only SmackDown titles wow. on the line at the show. Um, so, okay, fine, right? But it put a bad taste on our mouths off the jump when you basically had WrestleMania 34 2.0 in Greatest Royal Rumble with basically rematches from every match, and they were all, all the faces won and all the champions retained. And then now you're coming back with Money in the Sand too, and you're booking the main event, and you sacrificed the you didn't sacrifice the SummerSlam main event, but the SummerSlam main event storyline and the Hell in a Cell storyline, and now the storyline moving into Super Showdown, which is already a house show, is all affecting. Let's get a it's triple threat main man. event and Money in the Sand too.
0: Sad that they've sold their soul that badly, and that's why we can't have nice things because again. It's not that modern-day WWE sucks. Last summer friggin' ruled. But we do have this announcement, Adam, that I know very little about because I think the announcement was as cryptic as you possibly can be. Yeah. We know in a 27-day stretch, we're getting Aussie, Saudi two, in Evolution. But at that WWE crown jewel, we're getting the WWE World Cup tournament that they're claiming will crown the best in the world, unquote. You popped big because you're like, this is the king of the ring I always wanted. But how can you have any confidence that this is the greatest Royal Rumble all over again (laughs) with Braun Strowman walking away with a green belt and a championship and a a trophy that we'll never hear about or see again in storylines, by the way. What the hell? Who's going to win this? Who's going to be in this is the biggest question. And even if you get big names, Adam, what's it worth? You're the best in the world. The best in the world already have matches on that weekend. So...
1: (sighs) It, it's it's couched optimism so it's you know how bad i want king of the ring back right I, i've mentioned before we even started doing this podcast when you first started working with cbs i said to you like oh man i, I can't believe they still don't do king of the ring like when we were learning about each other as wrestling fans i hate that wwe doesn't do king of the ring it has li- it literally made people's careers and it gave other reasons for there to be matches on Raw and SmackDown, which is your one of your chief complaints that so many times matches happen and they don't have any good reason for them to happen. Well, that event, perfectly timed, I think it was in June, if I remember correctly, or May, maybe something, whatever. Um, that event was perfectly timed. It always worked. The only negative of it was everyone wound up a king, and they had to wear, you know, the, the cape, and they had to wear the crown and, and carry the scepter. You just call it King of the Ring. You call
0: him King for a week. You move
1: on. I'm and, good with
0: that gimmick, though. I'll stick with that. I'm fine with oh, King oh, Bear. But, but, but it was so
1: overdone. King. It really ended. King Booker killed it, really, is what happened. Um. But regardless. So I love the idea. So them telling me that there is a WWE World Cup, which, by the way, being in the Middle East and somewhat soccer related there, kind of cool. Them telling me that this is going to happen, it has to make me think, well, it's probably not going to be G1-esque. It's not going to be a round robin. So it's probably going to be a tournament that we get on Raw and SmackDown and there's maybe the semifinal matches on the show and then the final match on the show. I like that. It gets a lot of people involved. It's a good reason to explain why only men, you know, are, are there. Cause it's a men's tournament. I'm not saying it's good. I don't, I'm, I don't I'm just, think
0: that explained anything, but, but keep going, keep going. I,
1: I'm, I, I'm just, I'm trying to help them. Okay. Uh, so I'm okay with that. And I think it's 50 times better than holding a Royal rumble three months after the, Royal Rumble.
0: Okay, there could be good play ins. You mentioned it's got to have somewhat of a Cruiserweight Classic G1 something yes. feel. It's got to, it can't be WrestleMania 4 tournament all over again. It's got to have something to it. And you, look, you got to put something on the line, and it can't be another fake trophy. And if, if you're oh, not, no, it should be a make, number
1: one contendership. Right. And if yeah. you're
0: not, then I don't want any stars in it. Do you know what I want it to be? I want it to be all 205 NXT and guys who aren't getting pushed right now, and then just let it all be about the wrestling. So I kind of like. There's, you got to do something to make it matter, and I and rather than put everybody in it and have it mean nothing. So we'll see. We'll I see. would like there. I would
1: like there to be NXT talent in it that shows up on Raw and SmackDown, akin to how Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens got those opportunities. Remember to fight John Cena like back. Couple of years ago now, they they stopped doing it where they would just randomly bring people to the shows to promote NXT. I guess because NXT is now so over, they don't need the promotion. Um, but I would like there to be elements of that, and it would be nice if in one of the semifinal matches there was someone from NXT representing that brand on the show. I think it would be, or even UK, anyone. It would be nice if there was something to it, but. It's not going to crown the best in the world.
0: We know that. It'll crown the best in WWE. And to close on my care level for Saudi 2 and Australia. You don't like it? I don't care. You don't speak English? I don't care. I just don't care. All right, moving on. uh, Our third part and final part of the main event involves women, and it involves someone and the booking of someone that is absolutely fantastic for a moment. Take my harsh but true words about SummerSlam. Take my overall anger for the damn red brand. And by the way, it's justified. Even though I did, again, I like the energy on Raw this week. At least at least you had me tied down and ready to watch it and close to the screen. But what's going on on SmackDown with Becky Lynch, Adam, I'll say it. Might be the best thing going in WWE right now. She wins the SmackDown women's title from Charlotte at Hell in a Cell in a damn good match that wasn't necessarily four horsewomen at NXT in their prime, but it's the, probably the best version of that we've seen on the main roster that we've wanted in a long time, and then she closes SmackDown Live like a freaking boss, and before you come in to tell me whether you think she's a heel or a baby, or if the heel or baby thing is even working, because I think she's a friggin' heel, and everybody's hitting me up on Twitter saying, no she's not, Road Dog said she's not, well hold that thought for one second one more from the people <coughs> From Eric at Ribsauce, a regular on our show. He says, I'm sure you guys will cover it, but I want to say that I think Charlotte Becky from Hell in a Cell was the best women's match he has ever seen. I usually do not rewatch matches, but I've watched it twice already. Now, get this Eric says, it reminded me of Flair Steamboat at Chi Town Heat in '89, which he watched right before rewatching it. Adam, I won't go that far, but I love the balls out of this match.
1: I, I mean, I love the match. The match was great. Uh, I agree with your point that it was the best version of a horsewoman match we have seen in a long time, probably since the Charlotte-Becky, Charlotte-Sasha uh, feud, I would say. Uh, so I agree with what you said. I don't agree with him. I mean, we've seen better women's matches in WWE this year, not maybe the main roster, although I had put the charlotte Oscar match at WrestleMania – Above this, it was shorter, but it was intense and it was, it was better. Yeah, um, This is
0: close. This is in the conversation also. Yeah, like this, it, was, it was a very was good, insane.
1: There's no. There's no crapping on it. It was a very good match. It's what we want from – Not every match is going to be great that the women put on, but this is what we want consistently from the women in WWE, matches like this. I told you this off the show. I didn't love the finish. I thought it was a little strange for – Becky to get a, the equivalent of a roll-up win with a flat pin. I didn't buy that necessarily. That said, it was very good, and I'm glad that they had Becky win this first match without using her submission finisher the disarm her or the sploder suplex and getting a pin because it provides that opportunity for her to get that win oh, no doubt. over Charlotte in the future. The only problem I'll have is if they never pay that off, and the only way that they have Becky win is like one of those heels that just can't win clean by hitting their finisher and actually getting over on an opponent. That would very much annoy me.
0: But I actually like that finish for almost the opposite reason. I like that it we're we're, we're conditioned to know when the finish is coming. And if it's not the finish, it's the big near fall that fools us. And then the finish comes. This was a finish that kind of came a little out of nowhere, yet storyline-wise – Flair was selling the hell out of that injured shoulder and injured left arm the whole match. She stupidly tried a spear. It hurt. She got reversed into a pin. I was actually okay with it because I don't want every match to end the same. Remember when Goldberg beat Lesnar in whatever, 15 seconds, and it felt like a knockout? It felt like a real fight. Like, oh, if you hit somebody with two finishers, you're going to get them. I kind of like that realism, but the overall point is Becky is so on fire right now. Yeah, Pardon the pun, but it makes more sense than ever. And she's a heel, guys. So, like, yeah, they're towing the line, but she's a heel. I get that you can make the argument that she's a babyface and she's really just playing out her frustration for always being held down all the time, but she's kind of who we want. Like, what? she's fantastic. She's mad. She's angry. She's evil. And when Charlotte on SmackDown came up and tried to win the friendship back and tried to talk to her woman-to-woman, and Becky's just snarling and calling her a bitch and just doing quasi Steve Austin stuff I mean it's 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 a lot of you know I mean it really is a lot of that but even more than that I'm proud of her I'm happy for her Adam I think she's operating at a level under this heel guys that's even better than she ever could have got as a pure white meat baby face and I couldn't be more happy
1: so I don't agree with that last part there um and but the thesis is right that she's doing an amazing job. She's doing a, a fantastic job as a heel and altering her gimmick. I do think that they did make a correction to her gimmick from, if you want to call it week one coming out of uh, SummerSlam to now where they had her trash the fans in that first promo. And it was so clear that look, the fans are going to be cheering her whether you make her a heel or whether you make her a face. So she's got to have some other reasoning to be acting and, and treating Charlotte you know, like a bad person. And they have fixed that where now she is being booked as a heel. There's no question. That's how a heel wins a title. That's how a heel talks. Uh, Tuesday night on SmackDown, that's what a heel does when even if a face w- attacks someone and taps them out, the face walks away. The heel comes back for more. So that's she is being a full heel. But – She's not going to get booed. And the truth is that even though she's doing a great job as a heel, that doesn't change the fact that no one wants to cheer for Charlotte and everyone wants to cheer for Becky. And it's not the worst thing in the world, WWE, to sometimes give fans what they want. They took a ride with Becky for months where they wanted a payoff of a face winning a title. And even though she won the title, the response wasn't nearly as big as it would have been if she was still a face and Charlotte was the heel. So yeah. they screwed
0: themselves by doing that. Well, I like the ambiguity of it. I actually am down with that. that meaning Charlotte got booed by half the people at the end of that.
1: But you're it's the like person me. who says just cause it's good, it could be better.
0: And that's your, that's your well, chief complaint in WWE. That, well, this was good, Brian. It could have been way better. Because I disagree that you're that when you say it could be way better, you're saying Charlotte has to be the heel. Becky has to be the face, which by the way, we've seen already. And since now that we're seeing Becky as the heel, and I think she's a better performer and she's doing better than she ever did as a baby because she has that edge, I'm actually happy with it. And I'm actually happy with the ambiguity that Charlotte's going to start getting booed because guess what? In the long run, she's better as a heel anyway, and she's probably going to eventually turn there maybe to go against Rousey at Mania next year. Who knows anyway? And subtly, it's given me a little bit of mega powers where Becky's doing heel things. She still has baby face music. Some people are still saying she's a baby and you can talk yourself into wondering and thinking is Charlotte wrong in this? Was she a friend that's all about herself and held back? her friend? So I like that element of it. That's why I think this is the best thing going on WWE right now in this specific week. This is damn, damn good. That goes to what road dog is saying though.
1: He's saying, we are telling you a story, cheer for who you want, take whoever side you want. Both of them have cases. I think people would prefer to say, "Well, Charlotte's the one who jumped into this match and screwed her friend over. I mean the 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 reasoning that Becky Lynch is providing for her the, for her heel turn is face reasoning. So it is, amb- it is ambiguous, and that's okay. I agree with you, it's okay. but I think they wasted an opportunity to get a massive moment, an awesome feel-good moment that every fan wanted. And they by a pulling it off of you still got
0: it. You still got by it by pulling
1: it off of Summer Slam. When you talk about you want big moments and big pay per views, Brian, moving it to Hell in a Cell and having it happen with her as a heel as opposed to her as a pure white meat baby face. I will accept all of it if they are able to do a double turn and fully double turn both of them and have Becky get a massive face pop and sh- turn Charlotte into a massive heel. Then I'll be okay with it. But. Other things happened with women. We just talked plenty about the SmackDown women. We need to talk about the Raw women because, BC, the Raw women are led by my girl. You know it. Ronda Effin Rousey. And I dare you to tell me that you were not impressed with what she did at Hell in a Cell against Alexa Bliss.
0: Yeah, so it was a really good match. I I specifically like the Becky and Charlotte one better, but that match was was damn good with Bliss because, again— Rousey has a uh, intensity and electricity to her moveset. She does the moves faster than everyone. I think one of the smartest things they did was give her her own unique u- moveset, whether that was purposeful or more of a result of some of her judo background. It's just different, and it pops. And she elevated Bliss to a level uh, in terms of a work rate that I hadn't seen Bliss do in a while. I mean, that was a really, really damn good match, which to the point, didn't she, did she injure Bliss's arm? Is that where we're at? So it's, so apparently
1: Alexa Bliss has felt numbness in her arm coming out of the match, and apparently it's real because they pulled her off the mixed match challenge. You would expect that would have come from those arm drags, those very violent arm drags that Rousey does, and not the arm bar, which, as you and I have discussed, looks super-duper fake. Um, so yeah, apparently she's hurt somewhat, but not out for good, just at least temporarily.
0: I do have a growing issue, though, and I want to bring this up to you. You may not be able to hear Jimmy on this because you are ride or die to the death that Rousey will be the biggest thing since Lester. That's fine. She's doing fantastic. Um, I
1: don't know that I'm ride no, or just, die just, with just, that. Just it's it my me. strongly held belief, though. Yeah, Just, Go just
0: ahead. let it linger. You know, Do you have to? Do you have to let Go it linger? Fine, fine, um, fine. She's becoming, and granted, she's predestined to do this because there's a lot of people that don't like her, right? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of people that will never accept. I talk to a lot of wrestling fans that are like, "Man, you see Rousey, she sucks." So like there's people that are predetermined to not like her. Partially for a reason though, by the way, because of how she handled herself after her UFC defeats and went into hiding and has never really been a media darling and all that. They're slowly making her unlikable is my larger point here. And I don't want it to happen, but it's a combination of the stupid eye makeup with the with the, you know, the gloves and the overall package. It's the combination of how when she comes out to the crowd, she's got the cheesiest cheese ball, I'm a babyface smile ever. Almost like she doesn't know what to do. She looks confused. But then when she's in the ring, she's talking too much trash on such a cocky level that it's like dominant, but like not dominant respectfully. Like it's dominant like I'm this badass and I'm going to kill you. She to-
1: she did tone it down massively in this but match. But that though.
0: dichotomy, I think is starting to blend with the people who are predetermined not to like her and kind of cheer for her to fail. That some people are missing how good she's wrestling, and I'm saying now that I don't necessarily blame them for missing it because there's certain parts of her character right now that are they're just starting to get nails on a chalkboard. Like they're start like I don't know if this is the big setup for a heel. And by the way, I believe with every inch of my heart. And she kind of said it to me in that interview before Mania that that we did with her, where she wants to be in heel and sees herself long term as a great heel. I do too, but you get any of that? I'm starting to get annoyed by her look, her mannerisms, yet, man, she's great in the ring.
1: Yeah, there's parts of what she's doing that annoy me. There's no question about it. Um, I think the eye makeup is certainly one of them. She went from Mantar at SummerSlam to a raccoon uh, at, you know, Hell in a Cell. The, I thought the ring gear actually was an improvement, though, because it is no longer Piper. It's a, it's portions of Piper, but mixed in with, like, black and gold UFC Type of color. So I thought that was a massive improvement, actually. Um, but yeah, I, the two matches ago, so Wait, the SummerSlam match you're, with you're Bliss.
0: Saying you're saying you're bringing out more of the elements? I'm saying all the elements are making no, I'm ge- making me not like her. I'm talking about her now, the character. No, I'm, getting,
1: I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. The, the talking during the match with Bliss at SummerSlam really turned me off. It was to an extreme level where every time she did a move, she had something to say, and she forgot her voice. Like she forgot that she was purposely being loud so that the cameras could pick her up and would occasionally say some of the things that they're supposed to whisper out loud. So like at one point she was trash talking and then she goes, you ready? Like before she hit a judo move, like making sure Bliss was ready for it. So that really took me out of the moment at SummerSlam and it really did annoy me. I thought she toned that down massively at Hell in a Cell. So I was way less annoyed by it. And the two occasions that she did trash talk, I was fine with because it made sense in the moment. Um, but I 'm with you in general. the way they're portraying her as both simultaneously white meat baby face and badass baby face. it doesn 't totally gel. When she is backstage with the women, she can be happy smiling, playing with Natty and the bellows, whatever. Once the music hits and she comes down to the ring, she needs to be a badass from that moment until the end of the match. Once she wins, if she wants to smile again, totally fine with it. parade around. Even if, but if she's like, she needs to be focused. Like, when Brock Lesnar walks down to the ring, he's not like looking around and, and, you know, tapping kids' hands. He's straight shot to the ring, jumps up on the ring apron, bounces back and forth like a real fighter, and gets into it. And that's how Ronda Rousey needs to be treated. So I totally agree with you on that, but I don't want to gloss over the fact that she like quadrupled her moveset in the span of a month the gut wrench powerbomb, the small package, the slide, and a myriad other moves, a couple of variations of the judo throw. She looks way better as a wrestler than she had since WrestleMania. And that match was totally pre planned, obviously. I mean, the, all of them have been, but that one was like probably months of, of working on one match. I thought this was a great match. I thought she gave Alexa Bliss her best match. And this is coming after a couple months ago giving Nia Jax her best match. It's true. So what does that say about Ronda Rousey?
0: Says that, that she's, uh, you know, she's, she's a natural. And, and she's not yeah. only a natural, she's unique so that that mixture together is great my fear on the whole bringing up the thing about her get becoming grating and the idea that she's better as a heel is i'm not sure knowing the fragility of her emotions and her mindset as a real person whether she can actually handle being a heel and being a great heel to the point where WWE brings more things into the storyline that are meant to heckle her to bring up Well more they've of her already past.
1: they had Stephanie mention
0: They did that that was i like that a lot I like that a lot, but I want to see, like, I'm starting to realize now that, her like, not only is she going to be better as a heel, but like she could be the best thing ever as a heel if she's yeah. so cocky and she doesn't care about anyone. And it doesn't necessarily mean she has to come out and like flip off the fans, but she's just got to be like, I only care about myself. I don't need anybody else. I'm badass. I only need Shayna Baszler, whatever. I I think she can be there. I just I wonder if mentally she can do it. It's interesting. Well, because it she- is
1: it is interesting to think about that. Perhaps the reason it's happening, everything is happening the way it's happening, is maybe they want because. Everyone's expecting Flair, Rousey, main event at WrestleMania, right? Maybe they want Flair as the face, and maybe they want Rousey as the heel, and maybe that's the direction they will go. Maybe that's why they turned Becky, and they're trying to make that work and trying to keep Charlotte as the white meat baby face because they want her to win the Royal Rumble, and they want her to choose Rousey, who at some point turns on Natty, turns on the Bellas, who knows what's going to happen. I kind of always assumed it would be the other way, and Charlotte would be the heel going in, and uh ronda would be the face but if they do want to take the title off ronda and she wants to go have a baby and take a break after a full year in wwe then maybe that does make sense maybe that's what they're trying to do but even so who's gonna buy that like who's gonna cheer for flair over rousey
0: that's a fair – well, if you make Rousey – I think people have a natural part in their disposition to want to chair against Rousey. And I think that everyone's been surprised at the large pop she's getting, and she's still getting a massive pop when she comes yes. out. But you just kind of made a, indirectly made an interesting point of when they decide to turn her. If they can do it well sooner than we think they would or should and surprise us with it and have it be devastating and have Baszler show up with the 4 horsewomen, like maybe ahead of summer or Survivor Series, this could be – like, big-time money. This could be, like, wow, I got to watch every... Like, it, week to week, just it could be a thing.
1: It's just they're going so strong with the face stuff. And, and Becky made... We didn't really discuss it, but Becky made a really funny and good and true point on SmackDown that her coronation was the GM and her. That's it. Ronda Rousey's coronation was the commissioner, Stephanie <laughs> McMahon, and the rest of the roster around the ring, and her getting praised by everyone. They really are going out of their way to, like, push her as a face and to almost make it seem, and this is the thing, this is really the reason that I have distaste for Rousey on occasion. They're making it like she's leading the women's revolution. She's not. She's a cog in what the four horsewomen women women led as the women's revolution. So that, I wish they gave them, they're having this pay-per-view. It sh- those four women should be in two title matches. Like that's how you actually respect what the WWE women have done. Not by the way they're kind of booking it where like Trish Bliss may be one of the most promoted matches for that card, so that 's the issue I have with Rousey, but I even though I have those issues that's booking I think in ring i dude, I was super
0: impressed Sunday night oh no no question about it, and I think it would be justifiable as a heel turn from the guise of all these people keep going out of their way to turn on her. And if the bell is turned on her and don't forget, Rousey was already in trouble for attacking angle and Stephanie that time. And she's kind of gone out of her way to hurt Stephanie in in non-justified situations that I think they could be slow building and brewing that heel turn. And I'm going to pop big when it happens. But bliss got pulled from the mixed mass challenge quickly. It debuted season two on Tuesday night. I did watch it to give it a chance. Braun Strowman's replacement was Ember moon. And while she did great in the match and hit a eclipse off of Braun's shoulders, I will report to anybody who cares that the mix mex challenge outside of our truth. I will tune in for that. Is not for me. They just went out there and presented Braun Strowman as a baby face. No, they didn't. Yeah, they kind of did. No, they, they did kinda not. Kind of did. He was not the face in that match. Ember Moon's a baby face, and she she
1: was up. presented as a heel in that match.
0: You think she was naturally? I thought. I, I I mean, I skimmed the match. I I watched blocks of minutes. Maybe I missed the overall feel. I that really that's f-
1: that's how she was presented, and. Here's the the, the way that you will enjoy the Mixed Match Challenge, and you may not. And if you don't want to turn your brain this way for wrestling, totally fine. The Mixed Match Challenge is what would happen at a house show in mixed matches. So if you take that off and you realize that all they are doing with the show is allowing wrestlers that we know and like to go out there and have fun, and you can enjoy that with them, you will enjoy it if you want it to be a continuation of storyline, even though they did continue Flair's storyline that she was hurt from Becky and they brought it into the show, you will be disappointed. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch them interact with each other, making each other laugh in the ring. You saw like uh, Flair try to like get down and Naomi laughed at her, like the white girl kind of trying to booty shake. Okay, so if, if, if you can get along and, and join in the fun, you will have fun watching it. And they have very good social media clips before and after on the WWE Twitter account, YouTube, et cetera of them like talking to each other. Kevin Owens and Natty did a really funny one. AJ and Charlotte did a really funny one. So if you can sus- suspend that and get into house show mode for 30 minutes, All right, well, you yeah, will you, very much enjoy it. You,
0: you, you, I get your point, but now they're the winners are going to face off a pay-per-view. So they make they up the stakes this time around. So but by the time we
1: get there to
0: the point where I've said it before, I either want it to matter and the wrestling's great and it's intense or Be a complete comedic joke and go over-the-top comedic joke so that it's something so different. We've talked before about production changes, which they're not. They're giving you, basically, SmackDown house show main event. So whatever. But
1: by the time we get to that and we know who the winners of the Raw and SmackDown division are, maybe there will be a storyline by the time we get there that plays into it. I don't know. So it's tough to criticize it when I'm trying to tell you it is truly different and it's supposed to be different.
0: I wish it was really different. Maybe they can wrestle in Ken Shamrock's pit if it's still around that chain link thing that he did with uh, Steve Blackman. You know what I'm
1: talking about? I do. Let's uh, get to different, though, because you and I always differ in this segment, my favorite segment, Hero or Zero.
0: Lightning so just round like, edition, Adam.
1: So just like in, re- in every single pay-per-view, Brock Lesnar and the Universal title bumped out the WWE title from the main event just like it did. Uh, this week here, uh, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe followed a strong title match at Hell in a Cell with a post-match brawl on Tuesday following Styles' match with Cian Almas, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And Styles came through and agreed that Samoa Joe's demand for a no-disqualification match in Australia was exactly what he wanted as well. Uh, You have already called this as a match and a feud that's in the conversation for Pro Wrestling Feud of the Year in 2018. But here are a zero to whether it could, maybe should, be better than it is.
0: Hmm. It's an interesting question, because the match at Hell in a Cell was really good. And the stories they told ahead of that match in SummerSlam was incredible, which is why we were suddenly going Feud of the Year type of stuff. But I feel like they're almost not realizing exactly what they have in this feud and that it might not just have the potential to be Feud of the Year, but like best feud of the last five, six years. And what I mean by that is this. Storyline-wise, AJ was so in his own head because of Joe bringing in the family members that at SummerSlam, they cut short what was on its way to be like a brilliant, you know, Match of the Night contender, To have that Schmaz DQ finish, which you understood in the moment of AJ protecting his marriage, attacking Samoa Joe with a chair, and being like, don't talk to my family like that. Well, the family stuff only increased over the next few weeks leading into Hell in a Cell. To the point, Adam, I think they could have gone and should have gone more overboard on it. We should have saw Wendy in the crowd at Hell in the Cell. We should have saw his kids. You could have really went deep to the kind of feuds that we remember. We remember Jake Roberts' his wife and Rick Rude. We remember John Cena's dad getting taken out by Randy Orton. I think they could have gone next level at that. And what I loved the most about that Hell in a Cell match, and I thought, it again, was fantastic, was that finish was cool where you had AJ getting the sneaky pin and Samoa Joe complaining about a tap, and then they show you the footage on the other side, and he did tap. And then they did absolutely nothing with that on SmackDown this Tuesday outside of AJ saying, well, it looked like you did win, but that's karma that you didn't get it. (laughs) No, Adam, this this has epic elements of it that sadly... I'm going to give a hero to this question and say it could be and should be even better. You got to use that stipulation with Joe arguing and saying like I should be the champion right now. You got to play more off the family. What are they doing right now?
1: So, I'm going to give the uh, answer to this question as 0 because I think you're
0: really picking nits
1: here. It's really damn good, Brian. And and it
0: is, and I'm not complaining as much as I'm saying like do they not realize it could be if they just expand what they already have? Like But way again, th-
1: now we're getting into kind of what A lesser version of what I'm talking about before is just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it's not great. So this is not perfect, no. Okay, perfect would have been Samoa Joe winning the title because AJ's mind is all messed up, he's in his head. Uh, Perfect would have been the end of that match rather than AJ Styles not just getting the karma win, if you want to call it that, getting lucky that the referee missed his tap, but AJ, who was beaten down and they sold as... AJ doesn't look like he won that match. He looks like the loser. Samoa Joe looks like the winner. He's energized. He's, you know, whatever. AJ's bleeding from the mouth. AJ still kicks him in the back of the head and knocks Joe out and makes Joe look like a piece of crap. So, no, Joe should have been so angry that he got screwed that he beats the hell out of AJ, throws him over the table, takes the title, stands tall in the ring, throws it down, walks off. Yes, it wasn't perfect, but that doesn't mean it wasn't good. That finish to that match was great. It was, and it great. was the, the cameras were perfectly placed. The only thing I'm going to say, and it's because it's, it's getting so repetitive, I am so sick of AJ Styles never winning these matches clean and never losing these matches clean. Every single match, pay-per-view match with AJ Styles, it seems, has a BS finish. We just went through this with Shinsuke Nakamura. They fought 17 times and every single one was all, except for, the I guess, the first one at WrestleMania, he won clean. But everything from there were nut shots and double DQs and, and this went wrong and they, can't, they both can't stand for the count and so on and so forth. And now what do we get with Samoa Joe? We get the SummerSlam finish where he gets disqualified because he beats the crap out of him. And now this one where, yes, it was a one, two, three, but it's a schmazz. Eh, what's going to happen here? Come on, this is your WWE champion. And he's a guy who's so effing over, have him either win clean or lose clean or occasionally Give us a schmaz. It's every single month.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I got to see something more with Wendy. I got to see Joe with her, showing videos with him and her. Like, What, do you want him in bed with her? Rick Flair and Miss Elizabeth by the pool. I need something there. But you did mention Nakamura. Oh, yeah. He's just drinking in, Adam. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right, Adam. Uh, I hope that their trilogy, though. Takes us to the level we want to get to. Moving on, number two, Hero or Zero. Adam, we got a guest spot this week from your boy. Adam X Parsons on Twitter slides in. He has a hot take. He says, Cien Almas has not only been the best in-ring performer on SmackDown Live, but the best overall performer on the main roster since he made his debut on the blue brand. Seriously, Adam Parsons says, Cien, is the best. He used the 100 emoji sign. Adam Silverstein, considering he's coming off of Tuesday's match with AJ Styles, that for a TV match was as good as it gets. Hero or Zero, that Adam X Parsons is onto something here.
1: Zero. I love him. Sienna Almas is great. Okay, And we're all excited he's there. And we're all excited that he's fighting Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And by the way, this goes into what I've been saying about WWE kind of giving us really everything we want on SmackDown and not so much giving it to us on Raw. But guess what? He's fighting Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And if you watch Tuesday's match, as great as CN was, you loved that match because you loved that finish, and that finish was AJ Styles. Then, that's not even mentioning Seth Rollins on Raw. So, no. He's not the best wrestler on both brands or best in-ring performer on both brands. He has the capability to be that and he certainly is close and he's in the conversation. But today, no.
0: Zero. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I guess I gotta give a a, a slight zero to there, but I think because it's such a leap for Adam X Parsons, but he is showing us and he being CN that he can work on that level with everybody. Let's not forget when we talk about match of the year, it's the, the leader in the clubhouse. You know, for all we know, outside of, of course, the fourth Okada Omega might very well be CN Johnny Gargano from January from the TakeOver Rumble. So shout out to that.
1: That is certainly the case. Uh, B.C., Aiden English turned on Rusev Tuesday night on SmackDown after costing him another title opportunity. He had a U.S. Championship Challenge match against Shinsuke Nakamura. This is obviously coming out of the pay-per-view where Aiden had the accolade locked in on New Day and looked like they might win the titles, and then Rusev, for some reason, told them to tag him in, then they ultimately lost that match. So, like I said, Tuesday night, English attacked him after kind of trash-talking Lana backstage and blah, blah, blah. Everyone listening to this watched and saw what happened. So hero or zero as to whether an English feud ate an English feud will be a notable step backwards for Rusev.
0: This is a weird answer. Yes, considering that Rusev somehow had a U.S. title match twice in the last... I mean, he was in that four-way at Mania. Yep. He had a tag title match. He had a AJ Styles title match. Obviously, in theory, it's a step back. But I got to say, I give what happened on Tuesday a major hero. I really liked the buildup, the tease. The, that Lana knew that English had angrily talked trash, but then... Rusev didn't find out about it. You didn't know where that was going to develop. And that led me to when he actually did turn on. I actually got caught in the mark zone. I didn't see it coming. I thought that was going to be more down the road. They caught me with it. I really liked it. So while in theory, it has to be a step backward. I think they have an opportunity with with Aiden English, who's already overachieving. You got to agree way in above his, his pay rate. Like he is completely I mean, he was a Vaude villain for crap's sake. He has completely <laughs> made himself into something where he's actually not that damn bad in the ring. I mean, the guy can work. He's always in an incredible shape. If they now make him despicable and gross, and they make him a real heel, and you can actually get a fun feud out of this, no, it's not great for Rusev. It's basically a lateral or backward press pause step. But if you use Lana a lot, I'm not saying we have to get like crazy here. She doesn't get kidnapped. But if you use Lana a lot in the middle here, this has potential to be fun. English can do a lot. He really can. I can't believe I'm pro in English at this point. Zero. a hero to, that is not going to, you know, make him better, but a hero to where this could go.
1: So you're saying it's not a notable step back? It's That's a notable step back from a title it shot. Is, from it is a notable should step be, back. No
0: question about it. Okay. But at the same time, I'm fired up where it's going.
1: So I'm going to say zero to the question because it's not a notable step back. Because despite the fact that Rusev's had all these matches, he's lost all these matches. And he always loses every big match that he's in, and they don't care about him. So the fact that he's in another storyline, one that he might actually come out on top, I mean, that doesn't—that's not a step back. It's still going to get featured. Will it? And guess what? You're going to say, "Oh, well, it'll be a kickoff show match." His last two title matches have been on kickoff shows. Uh, Sorry, his last ti- his, you know what I'm saying? It was on yes. SmackDown, and then he was on a kickoff show. The last pay per view after being on the regular show two pay per views earlier. So no. Um, as far as Aiden English goes, this is the end of his career. Unfortunately, uh, in what? WWE. Yeah, this because is this, the is what, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. He, he might be a great heel. They might do a fantastic job booking him in this situation, right? Rusev eventually will get over on him, you would expect, as a babyface. Then what? What the Look, hell else do you Ellsworth. do with Aiden English?
0: If you're trying to argue he's more Damian Sandow, I guess I get it. That's what I'm arguing. Exactly that. What do
1: you do with Aiden English after the rooster?
0: Right, Seriously, so, what plans is WWE going to have with Aiden English? If he turns out that he's really good as a heel and he keeps the singing gimmick, but he's like grimy and like, and is a, like a dirt hole and gets his hands on Lana and just is like this... Yeah, you, could, yeah. you, could, you can tag him with a guy, and they could be a tag team. They're not going to the top, but I don't think he's going to lose his job. That's my main point.
1: I'm not saying he's going to lose his job. What I mean is relevancy in terms of well, – like he's, he's already above his pay rate. He's already batting – Yes, you know, that's what I'm saying, and there was plenty more to go. But fans still – Love it. It's a good group, right? Like, you wouldn't break up New Day at their height. They've they've gone on for like 15 years. New Day feels like it's been around since like 1974 at this point, okay? It feels like it's always existed. So Rusev Day had the ability to still keep going, give them the titles. They didn't, haven't done that. Give Rusev a singles title with English and Lana having his back. They haven't done that. All they did was they prolonged this tease of them breaking up. They, had, they did swerve us oh, thinking that you. English you would be the face this. and Rusev would be the heel, so that's a nice little swerve. But outside of that, long-term, this isn't going anywhere, and I feel bad for Aiden English because of it. Rusev I will bad. He's going to get a
0: spotlight now. Aiden English is the guy who's going to benefit most from this. For and a couple like, months, and Right, then but they what? may get back together. Anyway, anyway, I got a bonus DM slide that you know nothing about. And it comes a second appearance from Eric at Rib Sauce who's coming for you, Silver King. He says, ask Silver sure. King this question live because I want to see how far off he is. He's not coming for you, by the way, because he's mad at you. He's just, this is a curious question. He says, none of us, meaning him and his friends could believe it. So he wants Silver King to try. Take a guess, Adam, <laughs> when Rusev's last real pay-per-view win was. Oh my God. Your guy rips awesome. well, he wants you. He wants you to answer. Pay-per-view
1: anything. win. Man, it would have to be... I feel like even if he had a title, he would have defended it via disqualification at a pay per view. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I,
0: he asked me, and I as well, and I didn't know. Well, I'm going to
1: say because I couldn't tell you an event 2016.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're actually on. You're, you're right. Okay. It's from his U.S. title reign in 2016. At there you go. WWE Battleground, which I believe was in June, because I think that was the Shield Triple Threat match, if I'm correct. And it was against Zack Ryder. And that's uh, (laughs) that's that's two plus years ago. The last pay-per-view win he's had. That's something about
1: the same time the WWE title last main evented a non uh, Smackdown pay-per-view. So, yeah.
0: Wow, isn't that interesting? All right, Hero Zero number four, Adam Jeff Hardy was reportedly coughing up blood after his Hell in a Cell match with Randy Orton on Sunday night. Although he did come back to wrestle a house show less than twenty-four hours later. So, considering what our expectations were heading in, that I don't know, Hardy Hardy might moonsaw off of the stings perch at the top of the roof. You know, shout out to Owen Owen uh, Hard. Wow, wow, too soon. Um, considering that Hero Zero as to whether that Hell in a Cell match, Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton lived up to your expectations?
1: Well, the coughing up blood and the abdominal stuff, I'm pretty sure it was completely storyline, so whatever. Um, I, I don't want to be this guy. I don't. It was a zero. And that's now, was not Was match zero,
0: or was your zero applied to your expectations?
1: Kind of both, but more towards the expectations. So you can make the argument, and it's a fair argument, that our expectations were too high that we expected Jeff to literally attempt to kill himself you know, for our entertainment, and the fact that he didn't do that is a downer, and that's not fair to Jeff, okay? I'm, I'm putting that out there, but that doesn't change the fact that him swinging from the top of the cell and landing face-first into a table as the spot, if it was a spot in a match, which it would have been five years ago or 10 years ago, okay, that would have been a spot, but since it was the spot, it completely left me underwhelmed. The fan reaction was awful. That crowd was terrible and did not get up for that entire match. That match was slow, and I did love the part with Randy Orton grabbing the screwdriver, but it's a, you're focusing on the tiny little bit, his earlobe, okay, in this big arena match, and the crowd had to watch it on the on the monitor because half of them couldn't see it, right? They didn't know what was happening. The match was slow. The moment was underwhelming, and you know how they could have fixed it? Because he was falling... Face first, all they needed to do was have Randy Orton grab him and RKO him through the table. Nah, if you do something. that, it's a hero. It's an A+. plus. Instead, I'm sorry, Jeff, it's a zero.
0: Yeah, the only real hero is Jeff's willingness to sell his body, even with that bump, which seemed like it was pretty damn hellacious. I have to kind of agree with you, zero. But the slight hero in this is that they didn't do something that would have completely robbed from the rest of the card. So when they didn't do a ridiculously massive spot... I had the feel like we were going to get one in the main event. Like, I don't know if it was going to be Ziggler or somebody going through something crazy. Instead, we got what we got, which was the table fall, which wasn't even necessary. Which we've really seen necessary. a million times. Yeah, it wasn't even really necessary. And really, since they kind of blew the shot, their load, if you will, of Kevin Owens getting thrown through the table by Braun Strowman just a couple months ago in a, in a situ- setting that didn't really need it. It's kind of like you, they're going back to the well way too and soon. And Shane anyway.
1: McMahon jumping off one a couple months before that.
0: Yeah. It's so twice, unnecessary. Twice now in two years. So, yeah, yeah, I'll agree with you on that
1: one. All right, BC, let's wrap it up here with the fifth part of Hero or Zero. Kenny Omega defended his IWGP heavyweight championship against Tomohiro Ishii at Saturday's Destruction in Hiroshima. Can't believe that's the name of the show. Main event uh, in, in the title shot that Ishii earned by pinning Omega at the G1 Climax. So Hero or Zero, to whether the match was on par with their 2018 G1 or 2017 IWGP US title match at that G1 special in USA?
0: You know what? A lot of people hit my DMs, a lot, a lot of good brothers on the show that were like, man, straight fire, you got to see this. But in the end, was it up to that level? No, of those two matches. And those two matches were special, like basically borderline six star matches, if you believe in that scale. Was this match good business and fun? Absolutely, but I actually have a bone to pick because you, with the match, not with you, Adam. Adam, well, in general, with you, Adam. But you say often that I can't say anything bad about NJPW or the Revolution. Oh, thank God! I'm. Oh, that's I'm gonna, just. I'm going to relax here. Like that's that. just not true. I mean, don't eat, first of all, don't even start with me. You're the biggest piece of trash. Oh come on, Steve Austin. Uh, that's made too that far. Life. I'm not going that far, but uh, I will say this: I'm ready to say something bad about it. Both of these guys sold their asses off, and I don't mean selling in terms. Of the moves I mean they sold out physically they went for it there was a crazy spot where Kenny Omega basically tried a coup de grace off the top rope over the barricade through a table and the table didn't break and he slipped and I'm, I thought he broke his back so they went for it it was 30 minutes you know these guys can't fail but in the end and again we're comparing to an obscene scale of numbers that's hard to compare to I'm only going to give it like four stars, and there's a reason. Sometimes NGPW goes too far, and this was one of them. The match did not play into any kind of story, and it went on an additional, I'd say, seven to eight minutes more than it needed to. And what you have in those seven to eight minutes is both guys absorbing, except for the one-wing angel, which was obviously saved for the finish, both guys absorbing like 15 of each other's setup finishers. And at that point, it's like I mean, Ishi got dropped on his damn head on like a brainbuster when Omega used his own move on him. And I get that that was a setup for Ishi then to use the rain or the uh, the you know the the damn knee. What does he call it? The V trigger knee on V-trigger. him. But when Omega needs like thirty seven V triggers from every angle to set up the finish, you know you've gone too far. If it's the main event of Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania for that matter, Adam, I always have a understanding that just like on the biggest level, Triple G and Canelo over the weekend, they took bombs from each other, and they just kept coming forward, and you're like, how are they doing this? Nobody takes Triple G's power. Well, guess what? It's the biggest fight of the year, the defining fight of their careers. So I can believe that when it's WrestleMania. This one, on the, this Destruction Tour, fun match, it, it, didn't, it didn't hit it right. It didn't, 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 didn't lift me to my feel spot. I felt it was a the bad example of what NJPW can be.
1: So you're saying zero. As, as, so, it, that wasn't on par for you.
0: Well, I opened so, by saying zero. So, if you heard me in the beginning, I did actually say zero. Yeah. I,
1: you know, you say that, but I don't really think you do. Uh, okay. So, this is the business we've chosen. Okay. Th- this business, we are critical when we need to be critical. Right. And it, there are very few people um, who I think go out on the line and will criticize Kenny Omega in a way that's legitimate. Usually, it's BS. Right. It's a, you know, he, he, he does too much stuff and, you know, but whatever. This is a legit criticism. His matches for me, aside from the biggest ones. So aside from the Okada matches, the G1 finals or the or the you know abushi match, things like that, they are extremely formulaic. And I I don't mean that in a comparison to WWE, because every WWE match basically follows the exact same formula. So for them, it's an expectation. For for Kenny Omega, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Every match Starts a little bit slow. Then they have a couple cool moves. There's a really cool spot outside the ring. And they come back in. Intensity picks up. And it's exchanging setup finishers one after another, just like you said. uh, A moonsault or a uh, huracarana. Something else like that happens. And then eventually there's the finisher. And this one, I completely agree with you. It's a zero because those other matches that you're discussing specifically the 2018 G1 match, which I liked better than the 2017 U.S. title match, felt special. It was unexpected. You didn't know how it was going to happen and what would happen. This one, partially because you knew Omega was going to win at the end, nothing Ishii did really mattered. And Ishii, as a performer, a part of his gimmick, is no-selling, which I'm fine with. But no-selling the IWGP champion is very different than no-selling... You know, Cody or or Abushi or something like that. So it didn't work for me in that same way. I agree, it still was good, but I'm not. You're not going to get a five star out of me for a match like this when I know that both of them can and have done better together and separately.
0: Yeah, I just don't like when when it plays into the stereotype. And if the stereotype is all they do is big spots. Then it played into that the played event. into because the moves yep. didn't matter because it, you can't absorb that many power moves. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I get mad when Seth Rollins does the Falcon Arrow into the or, you know, the superplex into the Falcon Arrow and never gets a pin off it. Well, come on. Fifty seven and uh, knee strikes to the face in a row. We need a pin there. So that's. that's... Yeah.
1: Did you um, I know you watched the tag team match with the Golden Lovers against Ishii oh, yes. and Osprey, which was, was very good.
0: Beautiful spot fest. I loved but... it.
1: I love that. Did you happen to in the fast forwarding stop at all on the Suzuki Naito storyline? No, and
0: I heard that they just had a great match about uh, five, six days ago that I got to check out.
1: Okay. So I didn't see a match between them, but basically Suzuki spent the better part of 10 minutes choking the life out of Naito. Oh. And I have never seen anything like it in wrestling before. And I, it was to the point that I was fast forwarding to see the match. And I stopped on him choking him out and Kevin Kelly going crazy. And I'm like, I don't. why are they going crazy? So I rewound, watched the match, and saw what transpired. You have to go back and watch this. Suzuki is a unique character on his own, in his own right. The way this played out was some of the best wrestling storytelling of someone being sadistic, Randy Orton-esque, sadistic, not caring. He got to the point where he was choking Naito out stopped choking him so he could regain consciousness and then started choking him again to knock him out again. It is – you want to talk about – it's not my feel spot, although it maybe should have been. Feel spot moment, yeah. Minoru Suzuki. This so thing was
0: awesome. BC. He's got obviously such an, a unique way of what makes him special that he can still do this at 50. He had a match with Tanahashi, I want to say around June that was – or May that was the main event of a smaller card that, that, yeah. we, that we watched. And he put yeah. Tanahashi – and basically a single leg leg lock for 40 straight minutes. It just worked <laughs> the leg over, and then Tanahashi rallied and won the match, and it was this mind-blowing match that was, like, so, like, you got to be into that genre, and he's only going to play one note, but he's going to play that note for 40 minutes with intensity. And real quick, this Sunday, the NJPW Destruction Tour continues. I think Kobe is the city, but it's a must-see match when Tanahashi puts the money in the bank, Briefcase essentially that he won by winning the G One that gets him the main event slot, which we think will be against Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom in January. He's going to put it on the line against Okada, and really, how how can that match suck, right? So if you're oh, if you're gosh. doing nothing this weekend, check that out. Time to check into the field spots, Adam. Before we get out of here, and I got to go with a piece of sound that you sent me. I missed it when I was watching back in real time, but we've rightfully criticized Renee Young on this show, and I have to say, Adam. Since I did that last week, she's gotten worse. I hate saying it. She's gotten worse. Look, it's not working. She's not working out on Raw. All she ever does is, oh, my God, or all she ever does is, that's amazing. That's the best thing I've ever seen. It's like either let her be her or pull her from the damn broadcast because it's making no sense. And maybe after Evolution they will. I don't know. But really, this wasn't a plain question, but Adam, it's not working.
1: Um, I think the criticism is how they are coaching her, not her ability. Um, it's nothing against as, her. It's just not working. As I said, you watch the Mae Young Classic, and she's very capable and very good. But, you know, people were tweeting us last week that thanking us for actually criticizing her as opposed to others who just refuse to do so for one reason or another. But I didn't really think I was that critical of her last week. I was really just saying that I know she can be better and that she is an improvement over well, coach, they were thinking but she's me. not it. Because they were thanking
0: having the balls to say it.
1: But she's not as massive of an improvement as WWE could put in that position. But I think she's very capable of being better than she is. I think it's very difficult. When she was doing the spots on Raw, she said that Vince was not really in her ear. I think that's changed. Now that she's full-time in that position, I think Vince is in her ear. I think she's getting coached up on, like, scripted lines, just like Corey has to do. But for some reason, when Corey delivers the scripted lines, especially for the promos, it still kind of feels natural, or he puts yeah. his own you know swing on it. Like... She sounds corporate, bro.
0: Yeah. Do you know what she really sounds like playing Madden on like Sega in the '90s? You know how like before the video game commentary became very sophisticated, where they would spend like hours upon hours in a room, like they do now, to have like every scenario accounted for. And Madden had like seven phrases that he would use, and sometimes yeah. they wouldn't really match up. There'd be like you know a regular play, and he'd be like, "Oh my god, what an amazing tackle!" or they're going to have to call the ambulance for that. She sounds like that the whole damn match. It never really makes any sense. I feel like
1: they're pigeonholing her into that role.
0: Wow. You're trying to, trying to make a gross reference there. Um, But speaking of gross references, she had a drop that was my feel spot of the week. I can't stop laughing about this. This was during Hell in a Cell, during the tag team match, which involved her husband, Dean Ambrose. And even though they're teeing her up. What's been going through Dean Ambrose's mind? They're still not saying that they're married, but this was fantastic.
1: McIntyre with a kick right to the side of the face. Again, Ziggler went to the official. McIntyre took advantage. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Tag! (laughs) <laughs> wow you're
0: damn right he wants a piece of that how the heck does that become an acceptable phrase when everything else she says is just so fake and like she has like a written list of words in front of her and then she just drops that on us wow and but that's like
1: she can be good and that was a fine ad lib for the moment even though we're, we're talking sexual innuendo here that was a fine ad lib for the moment so if she can do things like that it'll work if she has to read scripted wows and ahs and oohs, that's where it's going to struggle, in my opinion. Okay, my field spot here, we somehow did not talk about this in the show, and it needs to be discussed, because last week we briefly talked about how some 205 Live dudes were inserting themselves into Raw. You had Drew Gulak in the beatdown of The Shield, which two weeks in a row, which didn't really make any sense. Um, We had Drake Maverick managing AOP, which they are now calling AOP and not authors of pain. And they're kind of bungling that, but okay. Let me tell you something that is working as well as it possibly can, and that is Leo Rush managing Bobby Lashley. Not only is the pairing great for the big versus small dynamic, not only does it work because Leo Rush is capable, he's not great, but he's capable on the mic and he's able to sell what Lashley can't. But his debut, quote unquote, in front of a live audience on Raw could not have gone better. He showcased his athleticism, he showcased his avoidance, you know, getting around KO and, and, and leapfrogging over Elias, running down to the ring, Bobby Lashley being able to manhandle him, throw him out of the ring, celebrating with him on his shoulders, and nearly dropping him and lifting him back up on top of his shoulders, showcasing his strength. It was a feel spot moment for me. And the best part of it all is the one part I haven't mentioned yet, the mic to mic back and forth between Elias and Leo Rush that felt <laughs> like it was exactly out of the Attitude Era.
0: Yeah, it was great. It was, it was it was gold. The whole thing was gold. His ability to do that is now I'm like, you know, I kind of want to see a tag team match with all four involved. And even though he's really small and even small for a cruiserweight, if you can just really get him over with those ridiculous moves and keep doing it and keep having him hard to chase down. I mean, this guy has such a bright future now because of this layer that they're giving him with, you know, he could still be a wrestler in the long run, but giving him this layer of mic work and the ability to establish himself now as this like, you know, guy with one-liners that's going to be hard to pin i'm love i'm loving it so much hopefully this is a blueprint at what can be done with more talent you're not using that'll wrap up the show for this week adam i'm trying to get more sound on the soundboard worked in i found some great vinnie vegas drops i'm gonna take this toilet lid size hand and smack the taste out of your mouth you know I, i'm a kevin nash mark for life I forgot how good Vinny Vegas was back in the day. I mean, that guy could totally work the damn mic. Let me tell you something, Big Josh, your pancake-eating fat boy from the Northwest. Go back and check those out on YouTube. Follow us on the damn Twitter at In This Corner CBS. Check out my boxing episode this week of In This Corner, the Canelo Triple G Recap. From their incredible rematch on Saturday, we've got Triple G trainer Abel Sanchez to break down what went wrong. Will there be a third fight? Got an interview spectacular show. If you want Bob Arum talking about marijuana and wild orgies, oh, it's a wild time to be alive for the ITC. Adam, do you have anything to say before I hit that sound button that gets us out of here? Triple G got screwed.
1: Like you, you won't admit it. Not, not that you won't admit it, but people won't say it. I'll say it. Triple G got screwed. Not once, but twice.
0: On the whole, he got screwed to exit twenty-four rounds, two visits to Vegas, and and not and have one. How many scorecards score did he win total? He won one out of six. Yeah, then you're right. I thought he, he beat won- him in
1: both he beat him in both fights. He did beat and both. people people are saying it's okay because Canelo, Like I, I wrote this on Twitter, and I'm sorry to completely go off topic here, but <laughs> it, it's really pissing me off. People are saying that Canelo fought well enough to win, and therefore him winning is okay. But, and I know that's what, how boxing works. But the winner should be the guy who fought the best fight. And two times in a row, Triple G fought the
0: best fight. That yeah, the understand. rematch its a harder argument because of how close it was. But certainly he got screwed the first time around. But damn, was that a fight of the year nominee. I loved every second of it. But now it is time to say goodbye. Okay, now say goodbye. goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, man. now get out of here it's right a little now. rough, Randy. Oh, Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. I'll never forget that. We out.